I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the latest episode of the Crypto Savvy, the Essentials podcast brought to you by Hashkey Group. Today, I'm joined by Lesia Marchenko, Vice President of JKL Capital, as well as Ian Lam, who is the co-founder of Satori Research. Thank you so much for joining on the podcast. It's great to have you guys. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Now, fast forward to 2022. Um, well, let's let's not uh, avoid the elephant in the room. FTX happened, and this is actually the first episode that we are recording with on the Crypto Savvy podcast since the implosion of FTX. If you haven't heard of FTX, basically it is one of the largest cryptocurrency exchange. I think it was last month around this time, they filed for bankruptcy um, and then a series of contagion happened in the industry where you see lots of centralized uh, platforms just kind of, you know, had their own liquidity troubles, et cetera. Um, you can all read it in the news. I, uh, we wouldn't discuss it in detail here because, you know, there's been so many discussions that has happened on YouTube, on Twitter, et cetera. But I do want to ask both of you guys, seeing everything that unfolded, what is your biggest takeaway or lesson learned from what had happened with FTX? What are some of the long-term implications you think this might bring to the crypto industry. Lesia. Jason, thank you so much for the question. It is indeed uh, an elephant in the room. And I don't think anyone, at least from our counterparties, was really expecting this to happen. Uh, I remember we were having calls with a lot of our providers on the OTC side, a lot of big, large market makers, large exchanges. And uh, what we were hearing around uh, August, September time, that um, we have probably, that the phrase was, we have probably already seen the worst of it. So uh, there was Terra Luna first, then there was Celsius, then there was a lot of turbulence in the market, 3AC, all the smaller players um, announcing, filing for bankruptcy and freezing withdrawals. And at that point, um, the feeling, the sentiment was that we have hit the rock bottom. And then it came by, obviously, as a big surprise, uh, that FTX was in itself also a spin-off, uh, also a consequence uh, dating back to Terra Luna crash. Um, this 
scary question now is the, whether six months down the road, we will also see implications of FTX crackdown, as we have seen it happen now. To be honest, it is hard to foresee a bull run ahead uh, in the next few months. I think the big catalyst for the next bull run will be macro. Slowing down the hiking cycle, uh, pivoting, Fed pivoting might be the big catalyst for, for the market recovery. Um, at the same time, regardless of the contagion, regardless of the events, the blood black swan events that we have seen this year, if we go back to 2017, I remember when CME launched their Bitcoin futures in 2017, it was seen as a landmark event. It was seen as a complete uh, TreadFi accepting crypto and uh, as a large milestone for the whole industry. Now, fast forward to this year, there has been a lot of announcements that have completely gone off behind the radar and uh, news headlines that have been completely uh, overseen because of the events, because of the louder crashes. So, for example, Citadel has partnered with one of the HFT market makers to provide to build a crypto trading exchange. Uh, we have seen uh, we, news uh, headlines recently of Goldman Sachs picking up, uh, looking at M&A activity in the crypto space, picking up distressed crypto firms. We have seen uh, we have seen KKR that have tokenized the part of their four billion healthcare fund to benefit from fractionalization and to unlock the liquidity for that fund. We have seen Israel looking to tokenize a government bond and distribute it via blockchain. So, And there has been 10 other headlines that would have made uh, history back two, two, three years ago. And this year, they have been completely overlooked. There, there is a certain rule in crypto and it also applies to traditional finance. In a bull market, even negative news come across as positive and in a bear market even positive news are being overshadowed and taken as negative so uh i wouldn't be as i don't think the this year 2022 has been that black and white i think there has been um, a lot of volatility but it's also positive volatility because it's shaken it's showed which players are good players which players are bad players it's shaken out a lot of bad players and it's given regulators a large set of data to work with and uh, to improve in future. And I'm sure we're going to reach the topic of regulation further in this discussion. Yeah, now, Ian, now one of the biggest criticisms that I've seen circling around is that crypto has developed a habit of building founders into idols for people to lionize. And that kind of people are saying that that kind of goes against the ideals of Web3, you know, being decentralization, anonymity, etc. from the ideals of Bitcoin. Now, as a founder or as a co-founder of a company yourself, what are your what is your take to this? Do you think um, there's been this trend where crypto founders are really being idolized as, you know, these saviors? And that kind of overshadows the fact that Companies should just continue, keep building, keep doing what they do. I, I do, I do. Um, actually, I'm I'm totally against of idolizing um, founders. Um, to be honest, like um, um, the take from the whole ethics implosion, right? Uh, everybody was talking about okay, diversification, um, um, not your key, not your crypto. Um, a, a lot of measure that the public should take uh, to to avoid being being burnt in this, such kind of incidents. Um, in terms of, you know, like uh, you, you, when you talk about like, uh, do I see a trend 
uh, in the crypto industry, industry about like uh, uh, focusing on like a personal, you know, image uh, in terms of the investment, etc. Uh, we see a lot of, you know, VCs, we see a lot of retail investors. They only buy a token because they see certain logos. So, for example, okay, uh, Sam invested in Solana. A lot of people think, okay, that's going to be a very good project. So, they, they rush into it. So, I, I think, like, in the crypto industry, we have this DYOR, right? Do your own research. You, you need to be responsible for your own investment decision. Um, that is exactly, I, I think, like... Um, that is not a very good atmosphere where people idolizing a certain person uh, because you, you can you can never like you can never rely on expert you can never rely on a single person on, on your own action you should have your you know your your own decision making in terms of uh, investment in terms of like where you put your your crypto assets etc. Um, and and if if I if I want to talk about you know uh, about a little bit on the, on the, the whole tech of the implosion right, um, what what we see in the trend is actually you know public uh, are coming together they have been monitoring um, uh, different corporations different exchanges how they operate. Um, there are very talented people uh, online you can see like in Twitter there are lots of information they they check. Uh, on-chain data, they check the wallet balance, whether, okay, certain exchange have it as a reserve. And they also check well transaction activities. I, I think it is it, kind of a, uh, how do I put it? It's, it's an improvement uh, that showed that, okay, the knowledge of the public is increasing. Um, I hope that kind of activity can, can go on. And so like uh, uh, people can get more educated uh, on, 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 on blockchain, on how they can operate in the digital asset space. Lesia, speaking of regulation, you know, let's dive into it because that's also one of our primary discussion topics today. And there's been lots of noise from the DeFi community. You know, people are saying that this is a victory, that what happened with FTX is considered a victory lap for these DeFi advocates and that, you know, centralized exchanges is not the way to go. Now, I want to pick your brains a bit on this. Where do you see the role of centralized exchanges playing in the D in the crypto space? Do you think they are um, necessary and essential for the space to thrive? And where do you see kind of like the coexistence between CFI and DeFi players in the market after the FTX incident? Sure, sure. I think the question between CFI or DeFi is who do you trust to keep your tokens? Do you trust mm. a smart contract more than you trust a centralized party, or do you? want to go more a traditional um, a traditional framework where you have uh, a vault in a bank uh, that keeps your that keeps your uh, tokens that keeps your wealth uh, I think it depends uh, it's very individual it depends on the type of investors so crypto native hedge funds crypto native firms that we're talking to feel comfortable using DeFi, feel comfortable using Uniswap, Uniswap or other solutions more institutional funds, used to trade and keep trading on centralized exchanges. Now, the problem with centralized exchanges right now, the problem or an opportunity, um, depending, uh, again, how you frame it, um, is that Binance is now taking over 70% of market share. And when you speak about other exchanges, uh, there's some liquidity on, like speaking on of derivatives, there's some liquidity on OKX, on Deribit, but the volume is not substantial and liquidity is not always there. So realistically, um, people can be trading the 70% of market shares on Binance. 
Another venue to go through is uh, OTT Desk. So definitely for larger for, for larger size volumes, uh, going through OTC desks would be another option. And then finally, what has been quite exciting uh, coming out of the whole um, of the whole market uh, turbulence is that CME has a record month in terms of trading volume. So uh, futures on CME has uh, seen, I think, a forty-five point six percent increase. In um, in this month, following the FTS cri- uh, crisis, month on month, so uh, there there is a regulated marketplace. There is uh, um, there is also downsides uh, of that regulated marketplace. Like for example, it doesn't trade twenty four seven like crypto does. But again, depending on the risk appetite of every trader, of the, every investor, uh, there are options to go through. Uh, in terms of uh, DeFi, where DeFi gets to play uh, in it, I think the, the overall market will need more regulation, will need more transparency. There is higher demand for third-party clearing solutions for uh, regulated uh, custodials. Um, the, the large elephant in the room in this space is offsetting uh, long-term liabilities, uh, short-term liabilities with long-term assets. Uh, so I think uh, in terms of regulations entering the market, probably uh, asset liability management will be the first uh, aspect of uh, to be uh, taken under scrutiny by regulators. And then obviously transparency, which is already inherent in blockchain, like Ian uh, mentioned, people, retail people, social media users already have access to this data. So I think I think the one, if not a catalyst for the next bull run, then a large developing trend of the next year and the year after that will be developed. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Data, um, data aggregators to track on-chain data uh, within blockchain. Um, there are, Nansen is looking to do uh, quite high-quality databases. There are a few projects, the Thai, uh, Amber was working on that as well. Uh, but I think that is something that, I, I have actually spoken to Bloomberg team, Bloomberg is looking also to uh, deploy uh, higher quality on-chain data on cryptocurrencies. Uh, I think it's going to be a huge development we will see next year. Yeah, and Ian, you, uh, Satori Research is a trading firm, so obviously you work very closely with centralized exchanges around the world. After what happened with FTX, which is a centralized exchange yourself, you know, where do you see the, the future of centralized ex- exchanges going forward? And what is your take on the DeFi versus CeFi narrative that, that, that has been circulating around? 
Binance having a, a very high market dominance is, is never a good thing for us. Um, we, we, as an arbitrage firm, we always look for price discrepancy uh, in different venues. Um, even, you know, uh, 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 I think Caesar has mentioned something like uh, he, he doesn't think that centralized exchange is going to be exist in the next 10 years. Uh, um, in 10 years time, I think there will be some kind of reform. And uh, um, I've already been hearing the stories about, okay, uh, centralized platform, they try to build a decentralized exchange, but it's a regulated one. Um, to be honest, from from a you know from a trading firm perspective, uh, from a person that is uh, uh, really enthusiastic on uh, uh, blockchain, I think there is always going to be trade off uh, on regulations against growth. Um, the, the reality, everybody knows that um, it has happened in a way that for the last ten years, I think crypto industry has grown exponentially because there's limited constraints. But the question here, right, is whether DeFi uh, should be regulated. I, I think it should be regulated in some sense, but um, um, how do we do it? And um, I, I think I can give a little bit more uh, examples and, and, and references. Um, you know, I think the problem here is uh, about the enforcement. Um, we, we understand, okay, you, you can have the perfect framework, uh, legal framework, regulation framework in the world at certain point of time. But we know for a fact that, you know, crypto industry is always going to uh, grow faster than how, you know, uh, uh, how legislation is going to work. It takes so much time to, you know, to understand the industry, you talk to uh, industry experts, understand the, the practice uh, to, to come up with, with uh, laws and pass the bills. I think what the government can do is, um, which I, I see them doing a lot already, is uh, working very hard with industry players to provide feedback and keep on trying to recruit talent in the blockchain field to help to regulate uh, uh, the industry. So I think in C5, most likely there will be some kind of reform that they will uh, implement uh, certain elements using like say, smart contract. In terms of DeFi, the only thing, like, why do we need regulation in the first place? I think is we are trying to protect customers, right? If you can remain a synonymous way, but still regulate in a certain way, for example, a certain smart contract, you need to be disclosed to, to the public. It needs to be open source. Uh, you need like an uh, individual party or like a, like a decentralized party to, to have code audit, things like that. And then uh, I think the web free crowd, the more degenerate crowd, right, would accept that kind of uh, um, uh, enforcement from a centralized body. Uh, but if we are talking about, okay, uh, you have to disclose everything, um, uh, you have to like do a full KYC, full AML, then that would be a problem. But I think AML is important, but in a way that, okay, the, the privacy is being protected. So that that's what I think. Yeah, and I think, you know, regulation might be necessary and especially, you know, legal frameworks to protect users. And I think in the end, it's all about um, investor and client asset protection. But at the same time, like, it's better not to have regulation stifle or kind of like forestall innovation. You know, we should still allow um, projects to thrive reasonably. Now, Lesia, obviously you've worked in the banking sector for quite a while and, you know, the traditional finance space is highly regulated as we all know now for crypto where do we draw a line in terms of regulation from your perspective yeah that's a good that's a good point to to uh, cover and i think 
I think I'm just going to stick with what I said before. I think every every aspect of crypto finance is going to find a way to some particular aspects to blockchain of blockchain of DeFi to deploy. Um, I'm sure that there will be a merge of TradFi and DeFi. We have seen last year, uh, again, something that will go down in crypto history books uh, when Societe Generale uh, tokenized uh, their first bond and refinanced with the MakerDAO stablecoin. Uh, so I think, again, traditional finance will find some aspects of blockchain, of cryptocurrency space that it likes, that it wants to stick with, and that falls under the general framework uh, of banking regulation dot frank act does not does not contradict any um asset liability management regulations uh, uh, re any requirements for capital within the banking system on the side of uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchain i think it's going to become way more transparent not necessarily through regulation though uh but like we mentioned before with cryptocurrency being fully transparent, being an on-chain decentralized ledger um, where where every transaction is uh, visible and uh, open source, I think uh, just the players within the crypto space, as we have more data, as we have more sources to analyze that data, uh, I think the crypto users are go going to be the ones who will enforce this regulation without even any regulatory bodies entering the space. So we have seen that the first reaction of uh, retail users after FTX was the proof of reserves um, initiative. And I think these initiatives are only going to further develop and, uh, and thrive <clears throat> naturally within the space. When talking about uh, government regulations, uh, I, th I think they're going to be directed more at blockchain parts of traditional finance. So as more and more traditional finance institutions enter the blockchain space and enter cryptocurrency space, uh, those aspects will be more regulated. And then those institutional investors that have some kind of compliance uh, restrictions uh, or requirements, they would go and invest into the space through those channels. I like to think that part of the crypto space is going to remain uh, regulated, but um, more like self-regulated through DAOs, through um, through other uh, aspects of self-regulation, um, and uh, and then retail clients will uh, make sure that they find ways to protect themselves. Uh, now, before we end our discussion, guys, it's that time of the year again where we make year-end predictions for the next year. Now, let's start with you, you Ian. Can you give us some, some, some of your insights on, you know, one prediction uh, for the crypto market in 2023? So one prediction, right? So uh, actually, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic. It always repeats itself, right? Uh, we, we, we always see another uh, bull market when the big corporation fall down. Uh, back in 2008, Lehman Brothers goes down. Currently, we have FTX, we have three actually, we have three arrows, we have FTX, you know, we have Luna goes down. I think uh, we will start to see more momentum in 2023. I, I personally think uh, Bitcoin will be much higher than currently in next year. So are you saying 2023 bull market returns? Um, not necessarily a bull market, but I think um, we are very close to the low currently. Okay, yeah. perfect. And Lesia, what say you? I completely agree that we're at the low there is a lot of on-chain signals that are signaling very bottom signals and only upside from here uh, i do not so my biggest prediction is that 
correlations will continue into uh, the beginning of 2023. And we will see a bull market only if macro picks up. So macro, in my opinion, will be a big factor influencing, impacting the next bull run. In terms of predictions of how the space will develop, I think tokenization is a huge uh, opportunity, if not something that will boost the next bull cycle. There is, um, other than going and trying to get engaged new, uh, new users, uh, new capital to enter the space, uh, why not unlock liquidity, which is locked currently amongst existing users? So one of the early stage projects we're currently incubating in JKL is a liquidity providing platform for Web3. And the idea is that a lot of token holders, NFT holders, are locked with assets that have financial assets that have a value assigned to them that are tradable. Um, they're being locked because the liquidity is so low because um, there is no opportunity to uh, refinance these assets. So I think uh, tokenizing assets, and when I say tokenizing assets, it's not necessarily profile picture NFTs. It can be anything. It can be anything starting with uh, uh, real-life financial assets, uh, tokenizing bonds, tokenizing equities. It can be tokenization of real estate, of real-life assets. It can be tokenization of uh, plane tickets. Literally, the space is unlimited. If you can manage to design a framework of assigning a risk, um, of, of uh, assessing a risk of, the, of that tokenized assets, uh, it will be possible to unlock uh, a huge uh, amount of uh, currently strained liquidity in the space, which might in future boost the next bull cycle. We know that there was the DeFi summer. We know that we had the last, uh, last bull run was massively fueled by GameFi and NFTs. There will be a development in crypto and blockchain industry um, that will boost the next bull run. Uh, and then finally, I would say data. Like I mentioned before, I think data is going to become much higher quality. Within JKL, we have a data science team. Uh, they're, they're constantly working with big data providers to clean the data, to try and find uh, mm, higher, better performing AI models for quant trading strategies. Um, so I think, I think this space is going to be um, the one developing. So I think tokenization data in terms of blockchain space development for us to see the next bull run. Um, let's hope that macro is going to improve next year. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Lesia, and thank you so much, Ian, for this wonderful discussion. Uh, we've talked a lot about regulation. We've talked about the implications of FTX, and I hope the Crypto Savvy listeners can know more about DeFi, CFI narrative, and, and regulation uh, framework here in Hong Kong. Now, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, feel free to give a like. And if you guys are listening on Apple or Spotify, please give us a rating as well. We would appreciate that. Well, thank you again for joining us on Crypto Savvy, and thank you again, Lesia and Ian. We'll see you guys next time. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.